everyone. I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back here for another episode of Move the Ball. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And I'll put one more quick plug out there before I introduce today's guest. Some of you are familiar that I recently created a group on Facebook to connect amazing women, to empower, challenge, support, and to help women grow. And especially during this time, I think it's even more important that we as a society stick together and help each other get through everything that's going on. So ladies who are listening, we'd love to have you join the group. To all the guys listening, please share this group with any of the women in your life who you think would want to be a part of this kind of community. The link is in the show notes so you can grab it there, but it's just facebook.com slash groups slash power and impact. And again, that'll be in the show notes. All right, enough about that. So let's get into the show and start talking with our guests. So today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Daniel Nelson. Daniel is a former Major League Baseball player who was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals in the 13th round, and he spent eight years in the minor leagues with the Cardinals in Florida, with the Washington Nationals and the Atlanta Braves. Daniel has played third baseman, second baseman, and shortstop. After retiring from baseball, Daniel founded Valley Training, where he helps young youth develop themselves into great leaders on and off the mound. And we'll be sure to be talking about that in the show as well. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jen. I I do appreciate it. Well, thank you for being here. So let's talk about baseball and how you got into it. You started early on as a kid playing baseball. Tell us about that journey. How'd you get into the sport and what about it really intrigued you and hooked you, if you will? What excited you about the game? Well, one thing that really did excite me about the game was the fact that you go out there and have some fun with your family. Watching my brother was probably the biggest influence that had on me as far as taking initiative to try to work harder and and compete. I always wanted to be better than him. Uh, It was It was tough trying to compete with a kid that was six years older than you, but uh, I think that was one of the things that pushed me forward was watching him play. Uh, My sister played as well. I think she gave that up pretty early, but my brother playing the game and my dad ended up coaching me. He pushed me forward as well, telling me small little snippets that ignited a fire in me, so to speak, uh, because he used to tell me things like, hey, you don't know how good you really are. And and I never understood that till till now that I have kids my, on my own, you know, uh, it's just something to keep you driving to try to figure out how good you really are. So the limitations that my parents put on me, it was basically none. It's just, hey, you, you just don't know how good you are. So you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing until you figure out how good you really are. And that was the way I went about it. And I think that's great that you had uh, siblings to help uh, inspire you to kind of be competitive and want to be better than them. You had a father who was always encouraging and supporting you. And I think as parents, it's important that we do that for our kids, right? We want to encourage them. We want them. And I think every parent knows this. We want to make sure that we are empowering them and inspiring them and not putting limitations in their mind on what they can and can't do in life. So share this. So you were drafted in the 13th round by the Cardinals. Share with us, what was that experience of being drafted like for you? Uh, the experience was great. 
before I actually got drafted by the Cardinals, I got a call from the Texas Rangers. They talked to me about what round or what kind of money that I wanted. When the time came to draft me, they passed. When it came to the Cardinals, they gave me the same call, wanted to know what I wanted to get paid. And uh, the, the scout that actually gave me the call was Chuck Fick. I haven't seen him in a while, but you know, he's one of my, uh, I can't say closest <laughs> scouts that I've had, but he pretty much talked to me all the time and made sure that the St. Louis Cardinals took care of me. But the draft was amazing. When I heard my name come across that board and I could see it, it was, it was great. It was great. It was the greatest feeling that I've had before I had my firstborn. But experience because I did get drafted out of high school as well. That experience was pretty good as well. But the second one, I knew that it was time for me to go. And baseball is different than other sports when you get drafted. I had another uh, guest on the show last month, Alex Presley, where we talked more about those differences between like Major League Baseball's draft is different than the NBA. It's different than football. Uh, So share with us, what was your experience walking into your first season? Because when you get drafted in baseball, you don't just play, you know, at the MLB level, right? Most people go into the farm system and they're in the minor leagues. So talk to us about what that experience was like for you. The experience that I had was getting over the words coach. Couldn't use coach anymore. I called Kip Wells coach way too many times. He wanted me to call him Skip, but all through life, I always called the, the manager a coach. I'm like, coach, I need to go here. I coach, I need to go. He got tired of it. He got tired of it, and he pretty much started to find me. <laughs> and and that that right there, that that hurt, man, <laughs> because to take away that, that opportunity to call a man coach, like, instantly. I mean, it was within the first – two or three months, they just took that away. And I kept doing it. And I just kept getting fine money. Just going through the minors and that first game that I, that I actually played in, I was nervous, so nervous that my arm was hurting too. I told the coach, hey, my, my arm is killing me. And the first game I played was the second game of the season. I was actually penciled in to be the starter. I actually got taken out in the first game. And Juan Luceno hit for the cycle in that game and he became the regular starter for the rest of the season at shortstop so my experience was pretty was pretty shaky so uh i did enjoy my time uh you know there the traveling we were in johnson city tennessee and that was that was a culture shock as well coming from los angeles california and going straight to tennessee to perform there florida wasn't that bad but when we went to Johnson City, Tennessee, it was, a, it was a big culture change for me. And what was the biggest aha moment or lesson that just kind of clicked for you during that first season? Was it the culture shock or was it something else? Yeah, yeah, I would say the culture shock. Uh, when, when I realized that it's going to be humid every day and there's no breaks from the humidity, like you go outside, you're sweating instantly with lotion. Uh, that was, that was different. You know, you normally, you, you put on lotion when you're in California, you put on lotion when you're in Arizona, you put on lotion, you go to down South and Midwest, you got to shop for a different type of lotion. I I was sweating a lot when I was out there, uh, just putting on the lotion that I usually put on in, in the dry, in the dry areas. So culture shock can be moving to a different geography, And it can also be going to a new organization or having different organizational leadership 
come to your team or your, your company. And so it's important for us to learn how to adapt, right? And so share with us, how did you adapt to this new culture? And then just, you know, go playing in different teams and different organizations through your career. Biggest step forward for me was understanding that you have to be a student of the game. I played the game. I played the game very hard. I always wanted to win. I always wanted to accomplish something, some type of feat that nobody has ever accomplished. I always wanted to do that. When I got there and I'm looking around, everyone's good. There's no one that's like really bad. Like there's no more the left fielder's bad or the third baseman's terrible or the first baseman's really bad. Everyone's good. And because they've met the requirements of the scouting. So now when you're out there playing, the adjustment to the speed of the game, how smart players are, how aware they are, how hungry they are just to make it up to the next level. Making those adjustments on my end, probably one of the most difficult. I learned a lot, but when they're talking about moving runners over, when you do a hit and run, hit it behind the runner, you know, the guy takes off from first base, you hit it in the four hole. Like stuff like that, I didn't know too much about. I knew if that guy takes off, put the ball in play and run. When it got to the St. Louis Cardinals and to professional baseball, there was a science to it and you had to figure it out as soon as possible. If you plan on going to the next level, you better figure it out. My biggest adjustment was trying to figure this out as much as possible. I had to go home and start writing stuff in a book, uh, in a notepad, just to try to keep up with others because they knew this information coming from where they were coming from. Um, and I didn't. So that's one big thing that I had to change with, with being a part of organized baseball, professional professional baseball. It's just a different atmosphere and you, you have to keep up or you're going to get left behind. Sure. And baseball is known for uh, having one of the most grueling and mentally challenging season in all the sports. Major League Baseball has 160 games, minor league baseball about 140 games in the season. So it's long. What things, what habits, practices did you put in place to continue to be able to not only perform on the field all year, but also mentally to, to just stay in the game? Well, I know earlier in my career, I made, I made mistakes as far as taking things lightly. It, it hurt me big time. I took things for granted because I knew I was, I knew the kind of talent that I had. It started to step in, you know, with, the, with, you know, with what my father said, you really don't know how good you really are. Once I started kind of figuring out that, hey, dude, I'm better than this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, I got lazy big time. So my workouts earlier in my career wasn't as strenuous as later in my career. And I wish I knew what I know now as, you know, I'm retired now, but towards the end of my career and since 2010, uh, if you ever looked at my, my statistics or the way I went about the game, it was completely different. I went from being a kid playing a game to growing up extremely quick. So when I was in the minors earlier in my career, my first five seasons was me pretty much just kind of filling out where I fit in and plus not understanding what they required or what they were looking for. By the time I hit 2010, where I got released my second time, it hurt big time and I made a huge adjustment on the way I went about the game and how I thought about it and how I made my, uh, my, my change. I'll never turn back. My energy level towards the game and approach it's just different. It's different. 2010, later on, I would wake up, do a workout, get to the field after eating lunch, do another little workout. And then after that, sit down, eat, then go hit with the team. And this is in the batting cages. Then after that, go to the field, 
and take BP. And then after that, I would eat a little bit, hit a little more, hit off the machine, then hit with the team again, rest, get dressed, get to the field, play the game, get done with the game, small workout right after that. And I did that from in 2010 all the way to the end of my career. That was the biggest change. And I think that's, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for someone that can grind and that wanted it that bad. And they were waiting for me to do that. And was there someone that kind of helped keep you going, championing you, pushing you, challenging you, a player or a coach or some other individual that kind of helped you to, to continue to be better and focus on that continual improvement and to grind and really work hard every day? It was always my family. My family always pushed me and always, you know, reminded me who I was and what kind of person I could be. I will give you one person that, you know, I tell people this story all the time, but it's one player that pretty much changed my approach to the game. And his name was Steve Lombardozzi. Uh, He made it to the big leagues as well. Great guy, great person. But I used to get hot with the other players. I used to be hot because the other players were hot. And I would be hot as well because I decided to be hot. When we're playing at Potomac, when I was with the Potomac Nationals, this man is starting over me, and he's grinding. This guy play every day, but he's he's working out after everyone else is like this. It's hot. Let's go on the inside. Let's watch some TV, play some video games. You know, do whatever in the confinements of a house or of the clubhouse, and he's still out there doing his work and late work. That changed my life because I used to look at him and be like, man, this guy's crazy, man. That's a lot of work. It's hot. That kid made it to the big leagues and started every year. Started every year in the minors all the way to the big leagues. Once I got released my second time, I made sure that I'll never let that happen again without me giving it everything I have. So that's where I used to go inside the clubhouse and, you know, not do anything else. When I got picked up by the Atlanta Braves, I basically wouldn't go back to the clubhouse. I would ask the coach, hey, can I get some more ground balls? And this is how funny, this is how it worked and how I got to the next level. He told me one day that it was too hot. The coach did. I said, okay. And normally I would say, okay, and go in the clubhouse with him because he said, it's too hot. Let's go in. Let's get some, get some rest. And I was like, you know, I normally would follow him in there. I stopped and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let that stop me from getting to where I need to be. So what I started doing is I started throwing ground balls off the wall on my knees on the field against the mats. And I was doing this at Myrtle Beach. So I'm fielding the ball, catching it, fielding it. One of the head scouts in Atlanta Braves came over and was like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm getting my ground balls in. He said, why didn't you ask the coach? I told him, well, he told me specifically that it was too hot. I was like, it's not his fault if I come out here and I make five or six errors for this game. So I need to prepare myself. Very serious. Within like a week or two later, I got shipped up to double A. I can't say because of that comment, it's because my energy towards the game changed. And Steve Lombardozzi was one of the people that I looked at and I was like, you know what, I want that. I want to be like that. I want to be that grinder. I want to be that guy that continuously works. I used to be like that when I was younger. It was Steve Lombardozzi that, that pretty much, when I saw him do what he was doing, Everything just kind of hit at home from what my parents was asking from me, what my brother was asking for me, my sister was asking for me. It all hit at home, and that changed everything. And my approach to the game, it almost lit a fire underneath me. I love that story and what you shared about how 
the coach says it's too hot and you're like, well, I, I have things to do. And also if I have errors in the game, that's not his fault. That's mine. Right. And what you're doing is a lot of people if in business and in sports, they would be like, well, I didn't get to, to work out because coach said it was too hot. So yeah, I had an error, but that's not my fault. Right. They, they make right. it an excuse <laughs> instead of right. taking that ownership. And I talk about ownership all the time. And so you, you still have to, it's all on you at the end of the day. And I feel like so many people try to find an excuse when they don't get the outcomes that they want or something happens. But if you really reflect and look back, it is on you. So you have to take that ownership and every day figure out how am I going to get better at my craft or, or do whatever I need to do so that I can perform at the level that I need to perform at. So one thing that you and I were talking about before, there's a quote that you had heard or saying that you had heard that I just loved and I want you to share it with us here. <laughs> it involves a plate. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let you talk to us about it um, unless you want me to say it. But you know, tell us about this quote that involves you know, having a full plate, not having a full plate. One of the players, I believe, is either his father or grandfather made a comment <laughs> you know, and it was at the time, it was at the time where I made the switch as well as far as how hard I wanted to play the game and how hard I wanted to work. And basically, the quote was basically, I'm not going to let a man dictate how much I'm going to eat off my plate. Basically, I'm not going to let this dude tell me that it's too hot to be a millionaire. It's, not, it's too hot to make it to the major leagues. There's no sweat. What, what are we talking about now? You know, that's where it's at. It's understanding that just because somebody is telling you that it's too hot or that it's too cold, that, hey, man, you, we need to eat. You just got to leave those people to the side. Let them go do what they need to do. And you need to focus on what you want to accomplish in your life and what you want to do with your, with your time. Because time is money, but time, uh, you know, uh, if you want to make it, if you want to do something special, it's going to take effort and energy. And if you don't have those and you're letting this man or woman dictate what you, what you or what you can't do, you know, you know they're not going to let you do it, then I promise you, you'll be stuck. But if you push these people to the side or let them just do what they want to do, you stay focused and everything will come your way. Yes, absolutely. In my, in my book, Move the Ball, I have a chapter called Drop the Deadweight. And in there, we talk about people that are like that, that are trying to limit you or make excuses or tell you why you can't do something. I say you just push them to the sideline. So when you said sideline, you reminded me of it right away. You just push those people to the sideline and, and don't let them get in your way. Right, right. Right. So let's talk about your transition. So you're retired now from, from baseball. So how is that transition like for you? Uh, the transition has been different, you know. I, I would say it was hard. It still is. It, it's it's still hard, but not as bad as it used to be. I, I when I made the change from playing professional sports and giving up baseball to take care of my kids and to devote myself to my wife, it was a huge change because when I made that move, I was pretty much at the the peak of my career, trying to get back and try to play um, in the major leagues. Uh, because that year, the year before, I just I broke camp with the big league team in 2011. And I got like those three days. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It was, it was great. It gave me a taste of it, and I really wanted it bad. And when they hit around 2012, I really wanted to pursue it again. I didn't even make it out of spring training. And 
Uh, I, I did a little bit of independent baseball. And then if it wasn't going to happen, it was going to be because, hey, you know, either Major League Baseball is not coming to me or, you know, I see my son and I really want to devote my time and my life to him and, and towards my wife. So that hit me hard. I've been playing baseball since I was three, giving that all up uh, for, for, for someone that has no idea I even play baseball, you know? <laughs> and so you also have Valley training. So talk about that, who are you serving? And you do some college placement as well. So share it with us more about that part. Well, with Valley Training, uh, basically, we offer free services to help low-income families or just families just in need. If they can't find a college to play for or their coach just doesn't have that many contacts, I'm a person that they can contact. Valley Training is a business that they can contact. Well, we'll do the college placement for them. We're attached to 1,400 schools. So if a player is definitely in need, in dire need, especially if they're from the inner city and they have no way of getting out, we will do the services for them. The only thing that I always tell parents and I always make sure they understand is this, when it starts, it starts. So if a school is like, hey, you know, we we love your kid and, you know, here's a scholarship, it's coming quick <laughs> because most of the schools are looking for players. And this is before the COVID. Um, they would reach out to me. I think this year has been probably the worst year Ever when it comes to college recruiting, I normally have video, things like that. I didn't get any video this year because high school season was cut off, you know, in the first four games of our, of our season and plus of many players didn't get a chance to really do too much this year. So uh, I think things starting to ramp up again. So I do believe that I can get back to it. But the college placement is there. You can find it on Facebook. And it's, it's right there. And all you have to do is contact me. You can contact me on, on Facebook or Instagram, uh, Valley Training, or you can look for Daniel Nelson. As soon as you let me know that you, you're interested in it, I will have you build something on field level. And that's where I blast you out to every school possible within your scouting evaluation. Great. And we'll be sure to put those links in the show notes as well. So please reach out to, to Daniel if you're looking for some help. There. So what I want to do now is I want to go to my two-minute drills, I call it. I'm going to ask you seven quick questions. Are you ready? Hey, yeah. <laughs> All right. First one, what is your favorite food? Spaghetti. With meatballs Sp- or plain or? Meatballs, yes, yes. I, I love uh, spaghetti with meatballs for sure, yes. Okay. How about what's your favorite movie? You know what? Sandlot. Sandlot, yes. Okay. And how about what's your favorite professional sports team? Ooh, you don't get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite, favorite team. It doesn't have uh, to be baseball. It could be something else too. <laughs> Football-wise, uh, Buffalo Bills. Okay. And then that's interesting considering uh, you, you're from the West Coast. I know. I know. That's where you're going to get me in trouble. I'm going to get you out of <laughs> All right. Next question is, what is the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? I would say the best advice was, uh, be yourself and never be afraid. Okay. I like that. That's great. And then what is, I'm going to flip it now. What's the best piece of advice that you would give to someone? Tough questions, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's making me pause. <clears throat> best advice I would give anyone is put forth the energy that you want. If you give yourself an F effort at home, you, you cannot be mad if you get the F effort when you walk outside the house. Yes. You, 
that that's what I have. Yeah, no, that that's right. I find too often with people that I work with, they're they're complaining to me about, they're commenting, expressing frustration about not getting results that they want, and I ask them, well, what have you done? And they haven't put in the effort. They haven't put in the work. So how can you complain if you're not putting in the work? So I like that. If you give an F effort, then don't uh, complain when you get an F result. Correct, correct. All right, my next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? I pretty much like to listen to songs on repeat when I'm working out. Okay. Like and, just one song. It'll be um, one song and it'll play over and okay. over again. If, if I feel it and it feels good, I'll, I'll just keep going. I gotcha. Okay. And uh, my last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? I would say Batman. The reason why is because he's human, for one, but he has some some swag. He has charisma. His energy to protect is just through the roof. He's always there. He's always doing something. I mean, this guy's a billionaire as well. I don't even know if he's a billionaire. I think he's more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, right after that, he's, he's crime fighting, and he knows different styles of karate and jiu-jitsu and things like that, like that. And he has gadgets. And it's Batmobile, like that stuff is, that's amazing. That's a great so answer. Bad. I like that. Yeah. All right. So as we end the show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Well, the last thought that I can possibly think of is just continuously push through life, even through the pandemic. I know it's horrible right now. You can't just stay focused on, on what you're trying to accomplish and don't lose sight of your goals and admirations. Some great final words, World Daniel. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you, Jennifer. I do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.